This is Two Blokes Talking Electric Cars with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Thanks to NRMA Insurance and Uniden. Welcome to Two Blokes Talking Electric Cars. Trevor Long, Stephen Fennick. You can find me at EFTM.com. Find Stephen at techguide.com.au. And most importantly, you can contact us there as well. So if you're an EV owner, Stephen, we want to hear from you. Absolutely right. You can get in touch with us and we'll, we'll try and get you on the show and have a chat about This podcast is proudly brought to you by NRMA Insurance, helping over 3 million Australians protect the things they care about. And you need in smart dash cams, award-winning CanStar Blue uh, in every category, these dash cams, and well worth the investment for your next car, electric or otherwise. Stephen, good to see you again, mates. Great to see you too. Exciting show we've got to today. Uh, we're talking about uh, some awards given out for the recently the Drive uh, Car of the Year. Yeah, uh, we're going to be news. talking to Trent Nikolic about that. And you've been on a bit of a road trip too. Yeah, so, I went on a road uh, trip a couple of weekends ago and I had one of those EV moments that, that, that I... EV lovers hate the fact that I talk about it yes. because it's negative, right. but it's critical we talk about how bad truth. it can be. We there. speak the truth here. Yeah. So that, that's that's what the idea of the show is we give you all aspects of this. And exactly. uh, we're also going to talk about some other some decisions made in the, uh, the US of A that could really affect the EV market. Big news, lots happening in the world of EVs, but we want to kick it off with the biggest news of the last week. Uh, so last week, uh, drive.com.au announced their Car of the Year awards. Now, there's a range of those awards. I think there's about 18 or something different yeah. awards in different categories, uh, different prices. It's the way these awards work. But in what I was watching Nine News and they teased it, geez, they teased the hell out of it. Of it's course. all night. And then and then in the Nine News segment, they gave me everything but the car of the year. <laughs> then I had to stay for Ali for a current affair. And then they gave oh, yeah. me the car of the year. And I was... Well I was I was you know hang, I was cheering from the sidelines for a couple of vehicles there, yeah. and uh, so to unpack that from uh, Drive.com.au managing editor Trent Nicolick joins us on the line. Trent, good day, mate. Good evening, Trevor. Good evening, Steve. How are you? Going mate, well, mate. Very, very well. This is uh, this is a big year for the Car of the Year awards for a couple of reasons, and it's not. I mean, we can't avoid the fact that. We're seeing more and more electric cars, not just in the running for these kinds of awards across many publications, to be clear, but at drive.com.au, there are a lot of electric cars just in that finalist category, wouldn't you say, Trent? Oh, absolutely. And look, I, I think there's so much you mentioned to unpack. I mean, even the fact that all three of us are talking means we're not sort of concerned about all treading on each other's toes because electric cars are now part of your realm as tech gurus as much as they're part of my realm as a motoring journalist. And they're, they're falling into categories everywhere. And the point that you made there, Trevor, that I think is absolutely relevant right now in 2024 um, is that if you're looking at, say, a Tesla Model 3, at what point do you stop judging it purely as an electric car and mm -hmm. just say, is that the best sedan in yes. its category, regardless of whether it's electric or not? And, and, yeah, and for point. that reason, let's start at the very pinnacle of any award. And, and the car companies obviously look at this with great notice. And there's been press releases today that, that acknowledge the, the power of your awards, Trent. And, you know, for Kia <laughs> yeah. to come yeah. out and, and be, be strong in support and, and excited about the award that you've been able to give them is massive. So mm. you've awarded the Kia EV9 Car of the Year. That's yeah. unbelievable, is it not? Because it's yeah. a fully electric car, it's a family car, and it's a Kia. Mm. Yeah, there's, there's so much there that I think is relevant to the Australian consumer right now in, in 2024. And I think 
there's different layers to it. Steve just mentioned then in your intro that you guys talk about the good and the bad with electric mm. vehicles. You both test them probably as much as I do. Uh, you've had all of the good experiences. You've had all of the bad experiences. Mm. With all of that in mind, though, um, the, 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 the sort of overarching concept of our overall drive car of the year is that it needs to be the vehicle in that previous 12 months that's moved the game forward the most, not oh, yeah. just in its own segment, but also for a broad cross-section of Australian buyers. And I think if you're looking at the Australian new car market and not getting the point that Australians love large SUVs, you're missing <laughs> something. Speaking of car <laughs> buyers, Trent, I don't know whether you're aware of this, but Trevor's actually bought the EV9 before I wasn't it was aware. awarded car of the year. <laughs> so what a genius he's turned out to be. I've always thought he's very discerning in his decision-making, <laughs> Steve. Funny you say that. I, I didn't actually know that he did, but see, see, this is the point, right? Trevor is is absolutely not just the target market for that car, but one of the reasons that we think it's such an important vehicle because mm. Australians love large, large SUVs. They love them as family vehicles. Increasingly, as you guys, you guys would be well aware, they're looking at an electric vehicle and thinking, maybe, do I buy one? Is now the time? Mm. And Kia has basically said, we've given you not just a large SUV, not just a very good large SUV or one with a seven-year warranty or one with the build quality you'd now expect of a Kia. Mm. It also happens to be electric. Yeah. And, and here's the story, Trent, and I, I intentionally didn't tell you that because I, I wanted you not to come into this <laughs> thinking yeah. that this was about spruiking the EV9. I'm just, mate, sure. I, was, yeah, sure. I was watching last night hoping. I was literally rooting for it. I'm like, come mm. on, let's go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but the story yep. that, that, that I, I share now to anyone that, that asks, and this is a big purchase, to be clear. It's a, it's a massive uh, investment for me. But, you know, I've done it by going, well, the Kia Carnival is out of its lease is up. Um, it's time to get rid of it and get a new car. And I've been able to manage great value out of the Kia to the point where I can essentially do the EV9 by just putting a little bit extra down and getting the same payments. But here's the story, Trent. I said to my wife, we've got to get rid of the Carnival. So I guess we'll get another one. And she said, and her words were broadly this, shouldn't we get that environmental thing you had the other day? And I'd, I'd had the EV9 for two weeks, uh, a couple of weeks earlier. And I said to her, are you talking about the big Kia? She said, yeah. So her mind is about doing the environmental thing, where Trent, with sure. the greatest respect, respect to greenies around the world, I couldn't care less. I'm there because I no. think I think the car drives unbelievably well, handles unbelievably yep. well, yet has the space that I think is better than a Prado in any day of the week. Is that the kind of right. thing that come into the, the car of the year decision? Oh, absolutely it does. Yeah, 100%. And, and the thing is that it's funny that you're transitioning out of a Kia Carnival into that because we jokingly call the Kia Carnival at drive the answer. You know, like yeah. you want a people move a Kia Carnival, you want a family yep. vehicle, Kia Carnival, 100%. road trip car, Kia Carnival, all that stuff, right? Um, but you're absolutely right. The EV9 does everything so well in terms of interior refinement, integration of technology, smartphone connectivity, uh, the fit and finish, the choice of materials, the, the, the way the cabin is laid out, the usefulness across all three rows, mm. the fact that it still has plenty of room in it. And then there's the driving experience. All the things that we talk about, uh, that we love about electric cars, the way that they drive, the response, um, how they feel when you're driving them, the EV9 delivers on all of those fronts. I see, Trent, that uh, other EVs figured in the awards too. I see the MG4 uh, there, the yep. the Model 3. 
So th- this is mm-hmm. a big statement, isn't it? Like, how much do you think this is going to move the needle for for people who are maybe considering moving into an EV? How much is this going mm-hmm. to affect their their decision? You reckon? I think there's two things that affect the decision, Steve. So first of all, that's spot on what you're saying. And this is the first year for us at Drive where we've absorbed the EVs into general segments oh, okay. um, in, in rather than just having them in their own. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a really good point because, you know, the EV9, as we've just said, is a fantastic large SUV aside from the fact that it's a really good electric SUV. So I think the two things are that the way that electric vehicles are starting to become a much more viable option for more Aussie buyers. And then I think the second thing is what you guys touched on um, in your intro, which is just being honest about them and just mm-hmm. saying, look, they're not, they're not going to work for everybody all the time. Like if you live in Sydney and you've got family in Dubbo and you drive out there once every two weeks, now is probably not the time to buy yeah. an electric vehicle. But if like the overwhelming majority of us, you live in the city Uh, And you, most people too, a lot of people you speak to still are two-car families as well, Um, then electric vehicles make a hell of a lot of sense to a hell of a lot of people if you can afford them. And and the MG4 then takes you to another whole part of that, which is the affordability factor. Now, to be able to get these vehicles at this price, and, and there's a credibility that comes when you put drive car of the year next to a vehicle. And that's why, you know, I assume brands love putting a banner up in the showrooms and things because when you're buying a car, and a lot for a lot of people, they haven't bought a car for five years, 10 years. They're, they're coming at this new. People like you have driven all these cars yes. and made a decision that this is the one. That has huge validation yep. for every individual car that you choose in these awards. I, I, mate, I think that's a really good point. And I think that's why it's so important that we put the level of effort and research and time and energy into the testing that leads up to the awards that we do. Mm. Because I'm sitting in an MG4 right now while I'm speaking to you. Obviously, I've pulled over and I'm not driving while I'm doing it. But I'm sitting in an MG4 and just looking around me at, at the quality of the fit finish materials, yeah. the way it's put together, the way that it works when you when you connect your phone and using the technology, this is a vehicle that I would recommend. If an Aussie buyer said to me, I'm thinking of buying an MG4, what do you reckon? I would say it's absolutely worth you buying one because they do everything that we would expect them to do and they do it in a way that I think makes you feel good about your purchase. And I think it's it's worth remembering that most people listening to us now are going to hang on to their new car for five to seven years. So you're absolutely right. You make a big investment. And, and you've got to hang on to it for a while. I see Tesla is also figured in the awards with the new shape Model 3. They uh, they haven't lost mm. any of their mojo, have they? They're still uh, competing pretty solidly, even against the oh, larger uh, yeah, car manufacturers. Yeah. Like we're seeing Mercedes and BMW coming into the market, but Tesla's still holding their own there, aren't they? Oh, absolutely, Stephen. I, I think the really interesting thing about that too is – Every single head of every other car company that I've ever Mm. spoken to and asked about Tesla, the overwhelming response has been uh, they deserve an enormous amount of credit for putting electric vehicles on the map, for taking electric vehicles to where they are, and the market and we as a manufacturing industry wouldn't be where we are now if it wasn't for what Tesla had done Mm. with electric vehicles. And in many ways... Um, the way we see it when we're testing them, Tesla still sets standards in various different areas. For example, integration of owning the vehicle. The Tesla app is still probably the easiest one yep. to manage your vehicle with. Uh, and I, I keep using it as you guys would. I mean, you guys 
it dwarf my knowledge of the technology side of things, but you'd be looking at the app thinking, why why isn't every manufacturer copying this? Mm. so easy. Yeah. Tes- Tesla's supercharging network, uh, the way that they're charging network always seems to work everywhere that you go. Um, and then, of course, the way that Teslas use the available power from the va- battery pack, they're so efficient. The so efficiency I, is a I think, thing. you know, yeah. yeah, it's a huge thing. And I think yeah. to Stephen's point, you know, he mentioned that the, the Model 3 has been updated. It, it's what, you know, in the industry they tend to refer to as a minor facelift, but it's still right up at the top of its segment. Mm. Totally, and, yeah. and then and then just finally in the in that low low end price sector again, it's wild to me to think that in 2024 <laughs> we have we have, yeah. you have four finalists, the Addo 3 from BYD, mm. the Dolphin yep. from BYD, the Aura, which – is still not growing on me, to be honest, from GWM. Um, but these you are need all... to squint a bit more when yeah. you look at it. <laughs> <laughs> these are all electric cars under fifty grand. Some of them, you know, nearer to forty. That people now have options for. But Trent, what you and I have discussed this for many years, going back to Leaf um, um, at launches. Yeah. This the the, the yes. parity, the gap between a petrol decision and electric decision is still a stumbling block for a lot of people. Um, I don't know how we overcome that, though, Trent. Well, I'll I'll tell you two things there. So first of all, what's really quite interesting is I had a debate with someone the other day who was ranting on about things made in China and you wouldn't (laughs) buy one and whatever, and then followed that up by saying we need more affordable electric vehicles. And I said, well, mate, (laughs) I can tell you for sure and certain if it wasn't for China, there would be no affordable electric vehicles on the market in Australia because those all those brands you mentioned, right, come from China. So I think um, the Chinese manufacturing sector... Well, that's exactly right. Where do you think your Tesla comes from? (laughs) That's right. So I, I, I uh, I think the Chinese manufacturing sector really needs a bit of a, a tick for that. But the, the other point you make, Trevor, that I think is a, is a very legitimate one is we've been told for some time now that as demand increased, price would come down. Price has come down a little bit, but demand has increased quite significantly. And there are more electric vehicles available broadly around the world than there were back when you and I were testing a leaf more than a decade ago. Mm. But I, I think that, that that's a real issue. I, I think the fact that, you know, if you're looking at something like an MG4 and saying, right, I can get into one for just over $40,000 on the road, it, it shouldn't cost 15 to 20 grand less to get in an equivalent petrol that's engine right. vehicle. It, yeah. it just shouldn't. And, and that, I think, as you guys would be well aware, um, if you're lucky enough to be able to afford an EV, great. But for a lot of other people, I think that disparity that you mentioned is going to be a stumbling block as we go forward. Completely agree with that, yeah. Mate, I think the I think it's great to see so many EVs in, in there. I'm stoked personally to see the EV9 at the top, Trevor, but I'm also glad made that... Trevor looked like a genius, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'm, but I'm I really also... didn't mean for that to happen. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's going to ring James Ward after this and go, listen, we made a massive mistake. But, but it's, also, it's also great validation for those brands to feel like they're on the right track. But uh, we have... Oh, yeah, we, I think so. We, we have to... Just personally, Stephen and I have to ask you a very important question about cars Uh-oh. that didn't make the cut, yeah. and we need to know, mm. like when you when you talk about finalists and cars, like is there a is there a big gap between cars that didn't make the finalists? Like for example, the Mercedes Benz <laughs> EQE, or yeah. I don't know the Cupra Born, the other cars that we own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, I, I think so. A couple of things. Uh, you're only you're only eligible for the overall award if if you're new to the market 
for the last 12 months, which is why something like a Kia Carnival, which has won its segment for the last 50 years in a row, um, is yeah. not eligible for the overall award, yeah. right? So okay. th- there's there's a lot of yeah there's a lot of vehicles that have been on the market. What for you're more saying than that is you don't like the Mercedes Benz EQE or the Cupra born. That's yeah. what I'm hearing. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm yeah. saying. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we we appreciate your honesty there, Trent. <laughs> Mate, uh, congratulations on on the process. I'm sure it's a it's an arduous process. People think that the job that you have is is just joyous to just drive a new car every day and and all that. But mm. we we and we know how much work goes into it, and we're just mucking around with it. This is your day job yeah. where you're you're scrutinising these things to the nth degree, and, and among a team of you at Drive.com.au coming up with a very rigorous set of processes yeah. to come up with an award winner, and I think it's uh, it's validation of what you're doing, and it's a very well-done process. So, mate, congratulations to you and the team, and uh, and mate, thank you for sharing uh, the, the the process and the, and the outcomes with us here on the, on the pod. Mate, thank you very much for that. I, I appreciate the support. And, and thanks for having me on. A, a privilege to talk to you. Thank you. Good, Good on you, mate. mate. I appreciate it. And we'll talk again soon. Good on you. Trent Nicolick from uh, drive.com.au with their Car of the Year Awards. And look, I, I honestly think, Stephen, yeah. that, that it's that it's validation for these car Completely, brands. Yeah, when right. yeah. the, these people, like when we muck around, like I give awards, okay? And yep. let's be clear, the Kia EV9 won the EFGM Best Car Award as well. So you were that head was, of the game That as was well. before I'd even driven one. That was <laughs> right. that was through ringing people, right. not Trent, but like Trent, yep. and getting their advice on you different things. You had the vibe. I knew that, yeah. that, it's, that it stood out. And I think Well, that, I think it's sort of one of those vehicles that really is sort of, it's a tent pole. Sort of you, you're thinking, right, this is a game changer yeah. in this category. Yes. It's big. It's electric. It's a Kia. Yep. Boom. But but my, my point there is the EFTM Awards, when you do it, it's just what we yeah. think of stuff. It's just, yeah. it's my decision. It's opinion, this is yeah. a team of people that, yeah. that labour over these things. So you've got to give respect when these kind of awards come out. So big news in Huge. electric cars last yeah. week with the drive.com.au Awards, which we're sure you know about. But great to hear from Trent and talk about that stuff in greater detail. All right, Stephen. Now, it's I've, I've had time to recover. Um, <laughs> Are you okay now? But, uh, last episode, we were talking about the um, Ford Transit van yep. that I was going to have for a week. And um, I the, was the lucky. electric bus. I was lucky that that came at a time when I needed it because I needed a big car to bring yep. huge artworks from my mum's pub, which need to, are now downstairs here at the, at the studio, yep. a bunch of boxes and things of mum's because she's moving. And I took the opportunity to go, oh, I've got a big car. I don't need to jam them into the Kia Carnival, which, by the way, they wouldn't have fit into. Right. I got up to Walker and, and I said to Gary and mum, I said, you know, where, where are the things we're taking? And Gary goes, it won't fit. I went, mate, you wait Have till you look, see the thing look at that the I've beast got. I've just rocked up in, yeah. But when I picked up the the Ford E Transit, yep. so this is a transit van, fully electric, with a sixty eight kilowatt hour battery in it, um, I I looked at the the guy at the dealership said I think it's full and it was it had a had a full battery broadly like ninety eight percent ninety nine yep. and it had a range of I don't know two eighty two ninety I think on the clock so I thought okay so you know uh, not a three hundred kilometer range so this is this is low end in okay. terms of electric vehicles today because. Right. Very hard to get an electric car today that doesn't have 400 kilometres range, yeah. let alone and 500. A, yeah, true. But in the EV, like in the MG4s, there's low range models and then higher range models. So yeah. it, it does vary. And I think it's an important thing about the decision of which one you buy. But but the, just on that, though, but the vehicle that, you, that you're driving mm. is not typically driven out of, out of the metro areas. To and be stuff very like that. clear, yeah. and I've tried to be super clear about this, I accept that this is not a vehicle that you would normally yeah. take on a thousand kilometre round, no. round trip. But 
what it did was allow me to do a little bit more thought and, and purpose around planning an EV trip because we've right. talked about how our cars will go 500 plus Ks. So to yep. drive my mum's, which is 500 Ks away, you would normally get it there or maybe one stop for a bit of a bit of extra juice. This car with 280 Ks range, that's in city driving. I knew yeah. for a fact that at highway driving, that's going to drop to I don't know how much. So that's the first unknown is right. you don't know what your range potential is. Your range the range of range. Yep. So I, I thought to myself, I need to charge definitely before 250Ks, which is the first normal stop I would make. Yep. So I planned to stop around the Newcastle area at a charger I'd been to before. It's an EV Networks charger at an Ampol service station. Yep. Cool beans. It's 130Ks. Yep. No brainer. Boom. I'll do that. Then another 130Ks just going. And then I'll do another 130Ks. Easy. This is my plan for the day. Right. I get to EV charger. Green light is on the charger. In Newcastle. In in the Newcastle area. It's yep. at, um, I don't remember. It's just near, off the freeway. Newcastle, yep. Um, green light is on the charger. I pull in. Big car. And I, you know my biggest fear was, how am I going to fit this thing in? Because <laughs> I've been to that charger before and it's been full of cars and people waiting. And I thought, yeah. oh, I hope there's no one waiting because I'm going to be taking yeah, up space. Right. Anyway, empty. Beautiful. Huh. Pull in. And I cannot. I open up the app. Fault. There's oh. a fault with the charger. I'm thinking, okay, can what? I reset it? Something happening it's one here. One charger, single charger. So there's two, and two. they were both uh, reporting faults. Oh. Great. Oh. I am now in a mild panic. Right. And this is the moment where this is the problem with the EV space is yeah. what would any normal person would freak out at that point going, the, the petrol station's closed and there's where's the next one? Yeah. Now, luckily, PlugShare, the so app So you said this was about, in an Ampol service station? This was right. in an Ampol? Yep. And I open up the Plug Share app, and yep. there was another charger at the BP, which is only 15 to 11 Ks away. Right. So beautiful. I opened up, before I even got in the car, I opened up the BP app, and I looked at the app, and I said, is it working? It said, yes. I thought, I'm going to go there. I went there. I was able to charge. Happy days. Right. And then onward the trip went. But there's a couple of things about it. People in the EV space, when you show them this or you post about this, they're like, you should have checked. Okay. Do you check when you get in your car with petrol that the no. petrol stations are open? You shouldn't assume, have to. You assume that they're all working. Yeah. This is yeah. the problem. Yeah. There's a guy um, who I've known for years. Matt Peterson is his name. He had – I think you've, you've met him. He made mm -hmm. uh, apps called Quick Maths and all these great apps for kids back yeah. in the day. But he also started a Tesla hire car company. Oh. And so he's very – uh, engrossed in this space back yep. in the day and still is, I, I understand. He apparently was at a panel at that Everything Electric show and he yep. made the comment, and I, I give him credit for the comment because it's one I'm going to use going forward. Yep. Until we get to a point where you can get in your car without having to plan your trip A, B, C, D before you go, yeah. we're not there. Yeah. We're not ready. Not, not close to it. Yeah, true. And, and uh, the... Again, we, we, as we said at the top of the show, good and bad. We're talking about this is a, maybe a negative aspect of having an EV. Yeah. Uh, no, you're right. I th until there is that assurance that uh, that the ability to charge is as ubiquitous as a petrol bowser, mm. uh, that it'll give people peace of mind. And we're not there yet, but you'd think. And you said this this charger was in an Ampol yes. service station, mm. and that that is that kind of that's the model that I'm seeing is yeah. that they're they're building. Where there's Bowser's, they're going to put some EV charges. And I don't mind that model. And, and that makes complete, at all. that's totally, purely logical to do that. Yes. And I think if, if, if it goes down that path, the potential EV drivers thinking, okay, well, instead of going to the the Bowser the, to get petrol, I'm going to go use the charger. Yeah. So they're going to go to the same place. There's as many of these petrol stations along the, along the road. Yeah. 
So that, I think, is going to give people assurance as well where they're located, not, not like having to locate it in the middle of nowhere, not, not near the petrol station, not near the cafe, not near the restaurant. Mm. So that, I think the petrol station, Ampoles, the BPs, and these, the, the, those yeah. companies are thinking, well, this is the future. That's we have to do that. That's why they are investing in this space. Yeah. And they've got to plot it out. Like even the Ampole um, on the corner up here before yep. you turn in um, has a listed on most maps, it's yep. going to be an EV charger. They just haven't started Beautiful. building it yet. Yeah. But here's then your other problem is I I reckon I put off three families from their EV ownership during this trip uh. because with this big van at 50 kilowatt charges, so you can't do 120 or anything because they just weren't available, yeah. um, I, I needed to wait an hour. I needed yeah. to charge for an hour to get from 20 to 80%. So you took occupied the space? I was occupying the space. And two and other people? Every time I got there, it was empty. But the first, so in Scone, I pull up yeah. and I know the thing says I'm going to be there for an hour. And by the way, it failed. Uh, it got from 20 to 34% and the charger failed. Oh. And if I wasn't sitting in the car, I would have come back from a you know an hour walk away yeah. going, oh, I've got to start again. Oh. And in that time, another guy pulls up next to me and his family goes for a walk as if to get lunch. I thought to myself, mate, I cannot, like, I'm not being an here. I can't leave until I've got yeah. 180 k's range because... At, at highway speeds, that's going to be 140, 150 yeah, maybe, yeah. and I've got to go 130 k's. So I'm sorry, I cannot leave. I mm-hmm. need to get to 80% and maybe a touch more. And so there's this pressure, yeah. and it's a horrible, horrible it's, pressure. That's what's caused this anxiety. That's the anxiety we're talking about. And this that other family, his wife is going to be, be like, thinking, what "Well, the how the do hell? we avoid this in the future?" Well, yeah, the, he would. He would. His wife said, "Why did you decide to buy an electric car?" Yeah, yeah. He would have got some grief, and it's all your fault. And and. <laughs> Pretty much. Just yeah. finally on this, yeah. and, and Trent mentioned it very briefly while we were talking about the, the Tesla Model 3. Yeah. But I I now 100% respect. I'm not a fan of the Tesla as a yeah. car. I just, I'm just not. Yeah. But I now 100% respect the decision of people to buy a Tesla if they are travellers. Yeah. Because that anxiety does not exist. And here's, here's how I know yeah. it. Firstly, I know there's a charger at Tamworth with four bays and... There's like I can't think of another charging network that has four bays in more than one location in Australia. Yeah. There's probably a couple, but broadly, Tesla doesn't muck around. They go yeah. four, six, go eight, twelve bays, that, right? That's Tesla's there. That, and that's there's one policy. at Newcastle. There's one at Tamworth. Yep. I was looking at the map. There's another one being built at Muswellbrook, which is also halfway. Wow! So they're building more. And they're the ones who can be used by other vehicles. Well, not just we Tesla's hope they'll or? be opened up. Right. To, I the assume. one at Tamworth can be. Used? Uh, the one at Tamworth can be. So I use right. it regularly because it's super fast, and right. I'm happy to pay the money. Of course. But like honestly, yeah. that that model that Elon Musk created, which is build it and they will come, exactly. is think about how big that charging network well, was. I'll ask you this, right? Why Before they others, even sold cars. Why haven't other manufacturers thought the same way? Why Why doesn't Why doesn't uh, Mercedes-Benz or Because BMW, it's not their core business and they're not like, thinking about it. Because I know Tesla off the mark was just EVs, right? It's, it's so, a multi-billion dollar idea. Yeah. The reason it's not happening is because it needs someone to invest for 10 to 20 years into the future. You're yeah. not going to get a return, and that's no. why these companies are struggling to maintain their their their, their charges. They're struggling yeah. to, to have that that reliability because they're not investing in it. But Tesla d- charges, yeah. rarely broken. Absolutely, yeah. I, I drove a Tesla five years. Never, ever, when I needed to charge it, was there a problem with the charger. And, and 
I think too, just talking about the development and the sort of looking forward. Like, isn't this where governments should step in? Like, so, like I know the state government yeah. is trying to. But sort all of the government the does is sprint. It's like in our other game, yeah. mobile networks. Yeah. It's like the government goes, "Here's a bit of money. Who wants yeah. to build a tower?" No, no. Yeah. Here's a bit of money. Build a bloody network. Build something here. Yeah. yeah. Build or like a massive solar we, array to get we, more power. We or need something. a company. Yeah. Like a BP or an Ampol. But see yeah. again, they've got. They know they're not going to make money out of it for a long time. They've got shareholders. You need someone who's investing a couple of billion dollars in capital. Elon Musk, if pushed, I think could make the value of Tesla back again if he just sold off the supercharger network. Yeah, good. Absolutely right. I really believe that. But he went in hard, though. That's the thing. That's him. He went big. He went big early, knowing that if people see these superchargers, people are more likely to buy Tesla. And have a guess what, folks? That's what's happened. Love your views. Love your thoughts. We've got uh, other owners lined up to talk to. So if you've got views on this, and it doesn't have to be you own one and you want to talk about the car. If you've got views on what we're talking about, let us know. We want We'd to love to have we you on. We want to hear your experiences too. Like you may Absolutely. have had similar experiences to Trevor and myself. Yeah. We want the good, to hear all the about it. The bad and the ugly. EFTM.com. Get in touch. Two Blokes Talking Electric Cars is proudly supported by Uniden, and they've just released the Uniden Dashview 60 Plus. This is their first 5K resolution dash cam. 5K, even more detail. 150-degree wide-angle front-facing camera as well. It's got the Sony Starvis sensor. That means a lot because... It works well during the day, during the night, all types of lighting conditions. That's the whole idea of having a dash cam so I can record everything that happens on the road and now in 5K resolution. So check that out, the the dash view range. There are others. There's also the iGo cam range as well. Uh, Uniden has got you covered on the road for all your dash cam needs. Now, there's been a bit of news out of the U.S., and you got to remember, this is an election year, too, yeah. in the U.S. Uh, the Biden administration has apparently uh, dropped the sort of lowered the, the, the rules, like dropped off the rules for the country's switch to EV. So right. they've really, the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, their proposed rules to sort of, to the, their, uh, the requirements for vehicle pollution yep. are actually going to be, they're going to soften a little bit. So the the what the takeout from this is the fact that this is really, could potentially have a, a an effect on, the take up and the and the rollout of EVs. So basically, they created yep. yearly requirements through to twenty thirty that would aggressively cut emissions, tailpipe emissions, yeah. is how they describe yep. them. And this is similar in a way to the new vehicle elect, um, yep. the policy in Australia, which says you know car companies have got to have a certain amount of emissions or pay credits and things. And so basically, this is almost a backflip. It's not a complete backflip, yeah. but if, if you're if you were ramping up in a graph to, to reduce emissions by a certain percentage by yeah. twenty thirty, well they they're just gonna it's gonna ease they're off. They've backed off. They've backed off and, a little bit. And yeah. that simply means yeah. there's going to be less investment because it's less required. Yeah, and I think that see the car car companies are thinking well they're, they're always thinking the bottom line, right? So if if they're able to still sell like when we see if if we see this uh, this ability for them to offer more in the market, more petrol vehicles, the the 
the pressure on the manufacturers to sort of go into EVs has sort of mm. been reduced slightly. Like at the moment, I think 7% of the market in the US is EVs, yeah. which is solid. But if, if, the, if now that they've backed off these requirements, that could potentially plateau a little bit. And yeah. the manufacturers think, well, okay, we're, we're still selling a ton of these big utilities and it's all the these other It's the number one selling big, car in America. Then let's go harder. They're going to push more and of those And we were told when Australia introduced this, this policy a couple of weeks ago that we were well behind the world. So this actually probably puts us ahead of the US now. Yeah. And that will beg the question at future elections here. Well, Do we gonna, need to yeah. be at that point? I was going to ask you this, though. If our man, uh, not our man, but the man that they think is, could potentially become president again, Donald Trump, mm. what is, is he... Is he an mm. is he a is he a fuel guy or is he an EV guy? I'm pretty sure he's an oil guy. Right. Yeah. So okay. he he's he's had those quotes where you know uh, it can't it doesn't suit the American lifestyle. Right. Same kind of thing that happened here in Australia with the libs. Yeah. Um. And I think he's big on the auto workers union. So I think right. he would not give a rat's whether your car is petrol or electric. He yeah. just wants you driving an American built car. Yeah. So he would want whatever regulation and legislation drives people to buy American cars yep. is what Donald Trump would want. Well, Tesla's American car. <laughs> Tesla's American built car. Yeah, true. Yeah. So uh, And Elon and, yeah. and Donald are, you know, quite tight apparently. Yeah. So well, who knows? Maybe if there's he, something in it. If he gets elected president, what what uh, anything's possible, I guess. We'll, we'll have to just wait and see. Yeah, it'll but, be uh, no, but uh, yeah, uh, Joe Biden, uh, he's uh, he's uh, took a foot off the gas, kind of. Uh, oh, in, in, I see what he did there. In the uh, I think he put the foot on the gas. Well, yeah, I guess he has. Took the yeah. foot, took the foot off the <laughs> off the charge and onto the gas. Unplugged the charger, put the foot on the gas. Interesting stuff. Uh, a change in policy just weeks after we had the opposite and, change of policy here in and Australia. You know, America, whatever happens in America affects the rest of the world too. Yeah. So well, I think yeah. on that point, yeah. I think Europe has more influence over the global yeah, car yeah. market than America does. Okay. But it may not. Maybe maybe that influence is not as obvious as I might think. Maybe not. We'll find out. Maybe not. Two blokes talking electric cars. All right, thank you to NRMA and Uniden proudly presenting Two Blokes Talking Electric Cars. Thank you to Trent Nicolick for coming on and talking about the drive car of the year, the EV9. Let's go. <laughs> Trevor's a genius How good is it? that car. That's unbelievable. <laughs> I'm going to get a drive car of the year sticker and put on the back of it. <laughs> I think there'll be one on the car. There anyway. probably will be. Yeah. Across the windscreen, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, I that's think, how I, big it'll be. Yeah. I think we'll see ads. <laughs> I think there'll be ads. Oh, yeah. We'll be back next week with another episode of Two Blokes Talking Electric Cars. Techguide.com.au for everything Stephen Fennick. EFGM.com yeah. for touch. all my information. Get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you on Two Blokes Talking Electric Cars. See you next week, See Stephen. You, buddy.